We're going to talk about a story that I think is going to be one of the bigger legal stories of the year, and that is jury selection starts tomorrow in federal court in New York against Grammy Award-winning singer R. Kelly. Um, He's charged with leading what prosecutors call a criminal enterprise, managers, bodyguards, and other employees who helped him recruit women and girls for sex and pornography. Um, And he he faces charges here in Chicago after this trial is over, both in state and federal court and also in Minnesota. With us to talk about what to expect in jury selection, what to expect in the case, is uh, one of Chicago's finest criminal defense attorneys, one of the most fiercest advocates, Joe the Shark Lopez, uh, best known for his representation of 13 mobsters in the Family Secrets trial. Welcome to the show, Joe. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Good. I, I know you're taking a, a, a little time out of your pool day and uh, to, to join us, and I really appreciate that. So uh, we'll, we'll get right to it and get you back in that swimming pool. Right. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this this concept of using RICO, R-I-C-O, uh, the statute, uh, federal statute, uh, to, to basically claim that R. Kelly had a criminal enterprise. Can you explain to our listeners basically what RICO is, how it's been used in the past, and how this, you know, is this is this a good way to use this law? Well, RICO always focuses on what they call the enterprise, which is just a group of closely and loosely associated people that work together for a common purpose. In this case, the common purpose was to service R. Kelly, uh, and allow R. Kelly to get away with sexual abuse of, of minors and others to transport uh, women across straight lines for the purpose of using them for sex and making movies and some of the things you mentioned earlier. Uh, it, it's kind of unusual because the enterprise itself, is, as charged, is R. Kelly himself. Uh, and when you look at the indictment and you see all these different acts of sexual abuse that he committed in various parts of the country, uh, the only way to put together a case like that is to use RICO, because what RICO really is, it's just a conspiracy with other layers of conspiracy within it. Traditionally, in federal court, if you had a conspiracy uh, to sell drugs uh, and there was a murder involved, you couldn't put them together in one case. You'd have to have separate cases. So uh, Professor Blakey came up with the concept of using uh, RICO, the enterprise, whatever it might be, whether it's a mob family whether it's a, a, a betting uh, company or whatever it might be, uh, to charge it as a single count of an enterprise with various uh, people doing different things underneath it to allow um, a, a, all kinds of different crimes to be included in one case, if that makes sense. Joe, you know, does it have to be explicit, meaning, you know, I, I always think about RICO being an enterprise, not that it had to have a, a written plan or plan or a roadmap, but that it was there was a specific way things were done. And and is that is that the case or can can the uh, federal prosecutors just say that R. Kelly arranged to have these things done uh, as he was going on and people kind of did what he wanted to do and it all worked out to, to form this enterprise. Well, that's the same thing. It's called a pattern of activity. So they look at the pattern of activity, what different people have done. They don't even have to know each other. They don't have to know the other one exists. All they have to do is agree to join the enterprise, which would be R. Kelly and his entourage, and agree that somebody, they don't even have to agree to commit a crime, but they, they can be involved, and because they've agreed to it, they can be held responsible for conduct of other people. 
So, so, let, so you know what? Let's take a break here. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about jury selection. And I know you've selected many jurors in your, jurors in your life, and you've represented some unpopular people and unpopular causes. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about how you would, as R. Kelly's defense lawyer, how would you go about selecting jurors? You're listening to The Karen Conti Show. I'm here with Joe the Shark Lopez. R. Kelly is going to trial. Jury selection starts tomorrow. We're here with Joe uh, Lopez, who is one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the city. And you, you, you've seen him around. He's represented some very unpopular defendants, mobsters in the Family Secrets uh, federal trial. And our, uh, Drew Peterson, uh, the former police officer from Bolingbrook, uh, who was convicted of, um, of murder. Uh, Joe, let's talk a little bit about jury selection. If you were the defense lawyer for R. Kelly in this case, what would your strategy be in choosing jurors? Well, I'm not sure I'd want that many young women on the jury. That would be one thing that I would be looking at. I'd probably be looking at at, at older, uh, college-educated, professional women on my woman's side. On the men's side, I I think, too, that I would prefer to have an older, college-educated uh, older male in 40s or 50s, uh, someone, and, and I say college educated because this is a RICO case. These instructions are, are kind of complicated, even for lawyers to follow. So I would be looking for people that can really understand these instructions because the only defense that they have in this case is that R. Kelly is not an enterprise. And in order to reach that, that conclusion, these jurors have to read these instructions and apply them to the law. So I'd be looking for jurors that are a little bit older more educated, even some that are not educated, that may be business owners, people like that, I think would probably be uh, the people that you could count on that would really look at this and, and not be too prejudiced just by the stardom of, of him on, uh, for the prosecution side and for the defense side, looking at it from, well, these are just allegations. They still have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, no matter how salacious they may sound. And that's what I'm going to get to. That was the exact word I was going to use, that these allegations are salacious. And now, uh, just recently, this past week, it appears that there are some facts that are going to be added to the mix that R. Kelly was abusing uh, boys as well as young uh, women and girls. And so, you know, how how do you get around that, that what was going on here, whether it was consensual or not, is is kind of tawdry. It's kind of salacious. It's it's a, it, it's sex all the time. There's there's uh, movies there's venereal diseases. I mean, how how do you get that past a juror, jury who is going to be disgusted by what they see here? Well, I, I'm sure that most jurors will be disgusted about what they see, but it's not about being disgusted. It's about being whether or not they can prove this is an enterprise beyond a reasonable doubt. And the lawyer has to keep hammering that home. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the jury, we're, we're not here condoning what our client did. We're here defending our client against this racketeering allegation he is not an enterprise these cases should not have been brought in this courthouse they can try these cases someplace else but not here that's the only way to really get around it it do you think they're going to also attack the women uh basically saying you know these were consenting women they they did what they wanted to do and now they're maybe rewriting history to say i was brainwashed you know they some of these women were with r kelly for long periods of time maybe they benefited a little bit i mean were those kind of defenses you'll see lodged do you think by the defense attorneys well i i i'm certain that they will that they will uh take that position because they're going to take the position these things were consensual our client didn't know how old they were they lied to our client because they wanted to be next to a star and that's the the position that they have to take continually 
through the, the whole trial. Otherwise, they are not going to be able to fend off these allegations. And, and, you know, in many cases, these allegations will probably prove to be consensual to a certain degree. And I think that that's the way that they have to go. Uh, Joe, did you see the docuseries Surviving R. Kelly by any chance? I saw parts of it, yes. Okay. And I did watch it. And my question is going to be, can the prosecutors and or the defense lawyers use bits and pieces of this documentary to impeach or to question, you know, kind of challenge uh, the witnesses' memories and their motivations? Well, they can use any prior statement of a witness, whether it was made in that documentary or it was made in the McDonald's. So, yes, if there's something that's impeaching and they want to use it, they'll be able to show the snippet and, and the clip of the person saying one thing that may say something different at trial. So, yes, whoever gave interviews uh, in that particular series would be subject during cross-examination and confronted with their prior statements if they are inconsistent. Now, I heard R. Kelly's lawyer make the argument that he is illiterate and he therefore has a hard time helping his attorneys prepare for trial and that he needs extra care and extra time in jail. Uh, I actually, I think they were using that argument to try to get him out uh, for trial prep. Is that something that's a legitimate argument that if someone's illiterate, they should have uh, more attention uh, and more privileges so that they can prepare for trial? Well, anybody should be allowed the same privileges to to trial, whether they're illiterate or not. I mean, the fact that he's illiterate is is, is just one factor. And I mean, he still can speak and he still has a memory. He can still say what happened. He may not be able to read the jury instruction or the indictment, but certainly he can assist in other ways. And do you think that he will testify? And I guess when I ask you this question, uh, you know, how do you know you're 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 looking at this uh, from the outside? But tell our listeners a little bit when you are uh, trying a case and you've got a defendant and you're trying to make that very important decision about whether or not he testifies. What goes through your thought process? Well, generally, you testify when you have nothing to lose. Or there's two instances where you have to testify. That would be in a case of self-defense or entrapment where you have to testify to get your defense in. Uh, if he has nothing to lose of what, and he wants to testify and he's illiterate, it's going to be a problem because he's, not, he's probably going to come off very bad. He might, even if he's telling the truth, it might look like he's lying. I don't think you're going to see him testify because if he testifies, you know, that, 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 that unbalances the, 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 the scale of justice. Now, now it's almost equal because now you can compare his testimony to other people's testimony. Now, if he doesn't testify, they can say, you can't believe these people beyond a reasonable doubt because of A, B, and C. But if he testifies, you know, the prosecutor can use his statements to show that these people were actually telling the truth and on balance to believe them over him. So I don't think it's a good idea. And, you know, he would have quite a few allegations to counter, you know, given what the indictment says. I mean, there are multiple women, multiple situations, and he would have to explain away a a lot of things. And again, you're right. If he's not a good um, witness, uh, that could just throw the whole thing into into a bad place for him. So let's just say that he gets convicted of this. And now we go to Chicago and there's two trials upcoming. One is federal and one is state. Is there any possibility that the the courts here in Chicago are going to say, ah, oh, he was already convicted, we're going to drop charges? Well, that's going to be up to his lawyers to file motions for, on double jeopardy claims, because when you read the R. Kelly indictment, which is 
which I've read, and I, I have to say I've read many racketeering indictments. I've never seen one where it charges uh, the enterprise with committing various acts in different federal districts across the United States. So there are some allegations in there for activities that occurred here in Illinois. If he could convicted of those activities and they try to retry him in either state or federal court, I would anticipate the attorneys arguing double jeopardy. Yeah, and and some of these allegations go back 20 years, right? I mean, these are some yes. really old old allegations. Um, so let's let's just talk generally about uh, trials. And I, you know, I, I follow you. I follow your career. I know that you've represented a lot of people in a lot of cases, and you get acquittals. I mean, defense lawyers don't get a lot of acquittals because uh, there's a lot of plea bargains, and uh, when the government comes after you with their, their resources, it's very difficult to defend. You know, it just is. Um, but you get acquittals. And can you maybe explain, uh, you know, what you do and how you approach a case and why do you think that you get better results than perhaps other attorneys? Well, I think the number one thing is trial preparation. Uh, Lisa and I, when we have trials, I mean, we dedicate hours and hours of trial preparation. I can try a case that might have uh, 10 pages of police reports and I'll spend four hours reading them over and over again, just preparing for trial. Uh, that's the most important thing. The, the more you prepare, the better you can be at it. You come up with a theory of your defense. You throw that theory of defense out there in your opening statement. You use your theory of defense in crossing government witnesses. You try to make them your witnesses to get your theory across. And then you have to put it all together at the end. It's, it, it's, just, it's like anything else. It just requires hard work and, and, and thought. There are different lawyers who say that the case is won or lost in jury selection. There are other lawyers who say uh, cases won or lost in opening statement. What do you think? Do you think that jury selection is super important in these kinds of cases? Well, I think jury selection is, is always important, and, and I don't believe any of those theories at all. These cases are, are, are won or lost upon uh, the way that the case is presented by the, 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 the prosecutor and the way the defense uh, tears it apart. Uh, those are how cases are won. It does. You can have jurors that, that that hate the defendant and will still find him not guilty. So that's not necessarily true. I, I just believe that when when you defend the case the correct way and you have a theory of defense. I mean, let's face it, you can't win every case. I don't win every case. I win. I lose a lot of cases, and so do other lawyers. And a lawyer who says different is a liar, and we all know that. It it, it every case has different facts, and every case has to be dealt in a different way. And it's the behind-the-scenes uh, work that you're talking about uh, that, you know, a lot of people think of lawyers going into court shooting from the hip. And, and certainly you're very good at that, but I think you become good at that by being prepared because then you are in such uh, mastery of your of your material that you can then get creative and react to what's going on. That is correct. I agree 100% with that statement. Joe Lopez, thank you so very much for joining us, and I hope you'll come again and uh, and weigh in on the case. I'm sure it's going to span a, a few weeks here. Go back to your swimming pool and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you very much, Karen. All right. Lisa said hi, too. Okay, hi, Lisa. Take care. Okay, bye-bye.